So, this is Vibe Drive, episode number 98. And 98, and bringing one of the coolest people I have ever met in person to the podcast. He's everybody's favorite T-Mobile guy. He's dead. He has the ball head. He's rocking. He's rolling. He's cool. He loves the tech. And he's coming up next on Vibe Drive. We're starting now. What's up, people? This your boy, Viper, the man about tech, and welcome back to another episode of Fight Drive. This is the podcast about tech, hosted by the man about tech, and tonight I have my favorite T-Mobile employee on deck, and Smith is in the building. What's up, Dez? How you doing, man? Hey, man. How's it going? I am good, man. Thank you for taking the time to join me. I know you stay busy, so I appreciate the time, man. Of course, of course. I love that intro. There was so much energy. I was like, I gotta, I gotta work. I gotta get, I gotta bring it up a knot, at least a notch. So it's all level. good. It's all good, baby. It's all good. So usually this is the point of the podcast where I ask you how you got into YouTube, but you don't, you do YouTube, but I mean, you're not a full-time creator. You obviously, you're already product and tech guy for T-Mobile. So I guess I'll ask you what got you into technology? What, what, what spawned your love of technology? Uh, well, I started with uh, Western Wireless, which was a parent company of VoiceStream about 23 years ago. So I was only seven years old when I started, which was fantastic. Uh, and uh, I was an engineer. Uh, and then I moved into product development. Uh, and in product development, uh, it slowly phased into product marketing. And I always was a junkie of old phones. Well, old now phones. And technology. Um, Mr. Mobile recently did a, one of his when phones were fun about all the old Nokia right. Series 60 phones. And I think I had every single one of those phones. And I was like, oh, yeah, I imported those uh, from Europe back in the Ooh. day. So I've just always been into devices. Uh, and then I had a friend who was working on sidekicks before they were launched. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his cube was a couple cubes over from mine. And so kept watching them go back and forth. And it's just, it's just, it's an itch I had to scratch. And so I said, how do I get involved? Uh, they needed technical guys to write documents for uh, devices. And so I pretty quickly transitioned out of engineering, or pardon me, out of uh, product development into full-time product management and product marketing. And so once you get bitten by that bug, you're in it. Uh, and then as far as YouTube goes, it was a few years later when I was working on like HTC and LG devices, uh, and they didn't have the big budgets that some of the other manufacturers did. Uh, and I saw that unboxings were kind of a thing on YouTube. Uh, and so I said, well, I think we could do that. But maybe we would uh, do something more interesting around uh, an adventure or something to grab their attention. And and my boss said, yeah, why don't you do that? I was like, <laughs> oh, crap. Here we go. And so the, the, the rest is history at that point. Then we started doing uh, underwater unboxings and shark unboxings and cars going 90 miles an hour through the woods sideways and crazy stuff. And it, it's just been tons of fun ever since. So that's a nice segue into my next question, because I think you've done all types of unboxing, man. You've done, uh, you've done skydiving type unboxings. You've done unboxing yep. that zero gravity. I mean, if, yes. it's, if it can be done, death will do it. So I'm curious, what have been your favorite particular unboxing? Oh man. Uh, they all have a, kind of a special place in my heart. I think uh, the shark unboxing, I actually have a, a shark tattoo on my wrist. Uh, shark unboxing was pretty fun uh, just because it was it was something most people never get to experience. And I was fortunate enough to have that opportunity. Sharks was cool. Uh, for the Galaxy S20 series, we just did, uh, we did the zip line in Puerto Rico. It's the second longest zip line in the world. Uh, and it's the longest zip line in the Americas. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, zero gravity unboxing. I, there's a handful of people who have been on that uh, zero G plane, which is uh, nicknamed the Vomit Comet. <laughs> and it does the para- it does the parabolas where it goes up and down, uh, and that that was amazing too. So they all kind of have something special. Uh, but sharks was sharks was pretty amazing. That first time the it was a a bull shark swam up next to the boat. Is probably about my guess is probably a good ten feet long. That's Ooh. when shit got shit got real right then. <laughs> <laughs> your life flashed before your eyes. Yeah, Ooh, it was man. it was crazy. It was crazy. Oh man. 
So how long have you been working for T-Mobile or at T-Mobile, I should say? Uh, well, like about 23-ish years. I've had kind of three careers. So engineering, uh, product marketing, product development, and uh, now a social media content creator device guy, kind of influencer thing, whatever it is now. Okay, so I have a, I have a very particular question for you because mm -hmm. I'm a content creator and a lot of content creators watch and listen to this podcast. And a lot of content creators, especially ones that are just starting out, you know, they, they want to be like the bigger boys. They want to be able to work with different brands like that. Obviously, you work for one of the biggest brands in the country. You work for T-Mobile and you work directly with content creators yourself. So I'm curious, Dev, what advice would you give for beginning up and coming content creators if they want to work with brands? I think for for what I look for personally when I'm out, you know, like we met at uh, Vid Summit a couple of years ago. I was mm -hmm. at the... Was that like the second maybe or the third? It was pretty early in the Vid Summit life. Uh, but I think that getting out and networking is huge. Uh, I go to VidCon. I go to Vid Summit. I go to lots of events. And I think I don't, I'm going to try to be as thorough as I can on this explanation. So networking is huge. Consistency is huge. Um, a lot of content creators hit me up on Twitter, which is fantastic. But they're like, hey, I want I want a phone. I want to do this. But they only want a big phone. You and I were talking before we started. Um, the little phones need love too, right? I do an unboxing right. for for a free phone. I do an unboxing for a $199 phone, $400 phone, $1,400 phone. Um, and a lot of guys uh, and gals won't do the little things. They won't do the baby steps. And I think when you're trying to work with a brand, um, show your versatility, show your willingness to try, because we're constantly looking for folks to come in, personalities or or uh, individuals to come in and work with, especially for me, for folks to come in and work with us. Uh, and we might want to do a try before you buy, so to speak. So do something small, see how that right. goes, then maybe do something bigger. We have a couple programs we've done in the past where we will um, uh, bring content creators on uh, for six months at a time or for a year at a time to help work with us on various things. It might be Instagram. Uh, it might be YouTube. It might be a Twitter thing. But just always take the opportunity. Uh, stay diverse and stay consistent in what you're doing. And never be afraid to say no, like I said. It's funny that you say that because um, I have a pretty good relationship with TCL. And last year, they wanted me to review their Alcatel Go. Now, I don't know how many of you all are familiar with the Alcatel Go is a $50 flip phone type deal, but it has, mm -hmm. a, has, a, has a smartphone OS kind of. But mm -hmm. I mean, when I when it, I mean, obviously it's not the most glamorous phone, but I did the review because I'm like, all right, I got TCL reaching out to me. Obviously, this is, this is not a big deal right now, but if they make more phones and if I want to have that relationship with TCL in my back pocket, then it will be who me to do it. So I took the phone, I did the review. And then as you guys know, what, about a month ago, TCL unveiled their own branded phone. So they sent me out the 10L and the 10 Pro. So as Des is saying, you got to start small sometimes if you want to get to the big time too. So you just can't do the big things. You got to do little things. It's not like I've said before on these podcasts and live streams. It's all about establishing those relationships, right? Just don't reach out when you want something, right? Like keep in touch, have casual conversation. Don't just try to run up on somebody when you want something. It, it's all about relationships. <laughs> Tell them, tell them, Dad. Tell them. No, it's it, it's totally true. It's so funny. Um, it's funny how I won't hear from certain creator friends for a long time, and then, uh, you know, January, February rolls around, and they're like, "Hey, buddy, how <laughs> are you doing?" Or, uh, or late in the summer, after I haven't heard from anybody for six months, it's like, "Hey, man, how's it going?" And there's lots of phones in between those time frames, and so that's you know, and it, and we're just talking about phones, but it could be whatever a brand. Right. Get to know the brand. Uh, brands have a cadence for when they're releasing things, and they have uh, moments that they want to amplify. And if you start with the small stuff with them, uh, they'll remember you when the big stuff comes along. And it, it's important, right? It, there's a. It's just like you said. It's really good to have the relationship. And as you as you saw, you started with the Alcatel Go Flip, right? Yeah. Which is a TCL made product, uh, and then, you know, it worked out for a for a pro model for a bigger unit. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Again, it's all about building those relationships. You got to you got to build well, those relationships. Yeah, and the other thing I would say too is engagement's huge. Um, there's a lot of creators that will only create something and put it out there and walk away from it. 
And as you're doing like on these, I love live. Live is my favorite, right? Because live, we can we can get in here. I feel weird because I keep looking right over here to where the comments are, and I I can't see them because I'm looking at at the your podcast setup versus uh, you know like a YouTube or a Facebook setup. Normally, I'm watching things go by, and I'm like, hey, so and so's here, and so and so's there, right? And I I can see all that, and I love that real time feedback loop. Um, and that's that's super important. That I feel like we have a better relationship when we're when we're broadcasting live uh, and talking about things because we're getting the real answers and you get the pros and the cons, right? So right. when you create a piece of content, put it out there, get in those comments, answer the questions, get get the feedback, stay engaged. Um, it's it's a huge help because brands are looking for that. They're looking to see, hey, Viper gets lots of engagement on his posts. Let's let's get in there and and get some of that love. Yeah, another thing that um, inhibits some creators, and sometimes they feel like if their sub count isn't high enough, then they won't get no attention. But like Dan just said, it's not about the sub number as much as it is about engagement. How do your viewers engage with your content? I am living proof that if you get enough engagement, brands will notice you. So it's not always about the sub number; it's about the engagement. Are you are does your community interact with you? Do you interact with them? And the rest of it take care of itself, man. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Uh, especially, it's funny in Twitter. I have tweet deck up all day long as I'm creating right here in the home studio as we're doing our 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 uh, you know COVID nineteen stay home stay safe kind of situation. Uh, mm-hmm. I've got tweet deck open all the time on one screen, and I'm working on either a tablet or a phone or something else. I see your tweets go flying by all the time. You're engaged. You're in there. You're building your community, and it's it's awesome. And I think other creators see that and like your energy. They they feed off of it and they want to be part of it. Uh, and brands see it and they. They think, okay, here's someone who's not just a photographer who is trying to get a job to do this or do that. There, here's a person who is growing a community, who's building influence and having a good time doing it. Yeah, I think you you just said it right there, man. I'm having a good time. I'm having fun doing what I do, and like you said, some people like they latch onto that and they want to be a part of it, and it works out for me. But I'm having fun, man. I love tech. I've always loved tech, and two years ago I decided to throw my hat in the ring on YouTube and other outlets, and here we are, man. I'm just having a blast. Yeah. It's fantastic. So speaking of tech, um, there's all different types of tech out there. Of course, we got smartphones, we got tablets, we got smart home stuff. We got we got everything. So, Dez, do you have a particular type of, uh, I should say, do you have a particular area of technology that's your favorite or that you uh, prefer? Uh, well, for me, it's it, it is phones and it's phones, smartphones specifically because it was a it was a passion early on. Um, I built phones. So I was uh, in charge of MyTouch 3G Slide, uh, MyTouch 4G. I partnered with a buddy of mine on uh, the original G1 from Android was a device that I was product manager for and had a hand in creation. So knowing the pain and the frustration of building those phones and the trade-offs that have to be made, uh, phones are exciting for me. It's always, I mean, I've got just sitting around here, right? There's there's a OnePlus, uh-huh. there's a Samsung, there's an iPhone, there's uh-huh. another OnePlus, Ooh. here's a Moto that just came in. Oh my I mean, goodness! I'm, I'm surrounded by it, right? Um, and so for me, I've always, as a product manager, I was always building devices for what I wanted. I was a, a big fan of like, I'm sure it's it's cliche, but every time I watch Steve Jobs, he spoke with such passion. He built something the way he wanted it. And it it, it drove me crazy because, you know, T-Mobile in the early days didn't have Apple. And so I'd be working as a product manager, building a device, and then an Apple device would come along and we'd see their marketing. I hate those guys because it was so good, right? It was just, it was fantastic. But it always pushed me to be a better product manager, to push my OEM partners to build amazing devices. And phones are so cool because I always wanted the phone to be, the end thing that I could live off of. So I could film on it, hopefully edit on it, and then publish through, like, for instance, T-Mobile Network. There's my little plug, right? But I mean, really, honestly, (laughs) your mobile phone should be able to capture the moment, um, kind of uh, shape it maybe the way you want it, and then share it to the world, right? So whether you're Instagramming or you're YouTubing. I think the first time I saw an HTC phone with uh, go live on YouTube built in, I lost my mind, right? That was one of the HTC one products. And I was like, yes, yes, you can broadcast from right here. Uh, and it was terrible. It was horrible, but it was, uh, it was, 
it, I can see it, right? And like, uh, even there's GoPros behind me and stuff like that. Anything where the mobile mobile space um, is kind of what I really love. So it's phones, it's things like these little these little road mics, right? That you can oh. you can uh, you you know you got two, you got to transmit and a receive, and you plug them right in. I mean, it make it makes it sound better. Uh, things like tablets with uh, pencils or or pens to help the editing. Um, I edit almost everything in Adobe Premiere Rush. I was a Final Cut Pro user, but again, Final Cut Pro is only on the Mac that I'm talking on right now. Uh, and I wanted that ability to try to do it on uh, an iPad or like a Samsung tablet or something like that. And you know, I had to keep find, looking for that mobile solution so that I could be out in the world with the sharks or in the dirt on the you know, wherever these crazy places I was and, and show the proof was in the device that I was using at that time, that it was filmed on that and it was, and it was broadcast shared out to the world on that mobile product. So my passion has always been the mobile stuff, mostly phones, some uh, wireless earbuds, things like that are always fun because they're getting, they're, they're becoming so cool, right. In these tiny little cases. And, you know, it's just, it's just, I love that stuff. Yeah, mobile- totally nerd out. No doubt, man. Mobile technology is pretty awesome. Shout out to those of y'all listening on audio only this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Job with my man, Dev. Appreciate you guys rocking out each and every week on audio. If you would like to donate to the podcast, support the podcast, there will be links in the show notes for you to do that. Not required, but anything that you can do is greatly appreciated. Also, if you happen to be listening to this podcast on Apple Podcast, please consider leaving a rating or review as it helps more people discover Vibe Job and we want to do that. So definitely please consider leaving that rating overview on Apple Podcast if you can. Thank you guys for listening to another episode. Love you all. Appreciate you. So you just explained to us that, that you, ha- uh, coming up, you had an integral part in building and creating phones. I know a lot of times as content creators, we kind of lament like the yearly incremental upgrades on smartphones. But in reality, it is so hard to improve on phones year over year. So being a guy that's an engineer, being a guy who built phones in his, in, in his day, talk to us about how difficult it is to constantly improve on a phone each and every year. Sure, sure. Well, I think uh, it's it's interesting. I think a lot of times, especially, I, I saw it more so um, probably the last few years I was in product engineering where the features and the capabilities that you saw on smartphones were directly represented by what was in the chipset. So if Qualcomm was really, really going hard on camera uh, and things like multiple microphones to do uh, audio type sensors, uh, every phone had some kind of audio sensor trick and had new and improved camera with with a 12 megapixel or a 20 megapixel sensor on it, right? whatever the chipset manufacturer was driving was what you saw in phones. And what we were trying to do at the time, uh, at least at T-Mobile with like MyTouch and and you saw it in Sidekicks, but ultimately in other Android devices, I was product manager for like HTC Sensation, uh, LG G2X. That was a a precursor to kind of uh, counter what Google was doing with Nexus devices. I want a vanilla Android, all these, all these, companies were putting skins on top of phones and and me being an original android guy i didn't want a skin and i saw the <laughs> i saw the real-time feedback right from the community that said uh no we want we want clean fast um r- like street legal race cars of smartphones right? right we want these race cars that can go really fast have super high performance and don't touch our stuff we'll go mod it the way we want to getting that kind of feedback knowing how the customer wanted it was tough because the chipsets, you know, incremental improvement, incremental improvement, the 700, the 800, the 900, whatever the number was, right, brought you a little bit more, brought you a little bit better specs, brought you maybe slightly better video. Um, it was hard to innovate. So we did things, uh, you know, we always try to do things uh, around colors, materials, and finish, CMF or industrial design, if we could, if we could help influence that stuff. But that stuff, back when I did it, it took 12 months or so from the time that we wanted to start on a phone to the phone actually hit the market. So back before Siri and Google Assistant, I have a couple patents around um, the Genius button, which was T-Mobile's MyTouch. It was a 
our boss said, I want to push a button and tell the phone to find something on a map for me. And so we did some early work on the assistant type features. And that was something that we just went out and did on our own because to your, to your question, it's hard to innovate and it's hard to, in these long production cycles to uh, come up with something, especially like hardware wise, um, that, uh, that you could really make a difference on a smartphone. And, and we were in the world of, everything turning into a black rectangle anyway, right? I mean, right. smartphones smartphones with hinges and, and swinging screens and things like that were becoming a thing of the past because the reliability was not great. Returns were high and uh, cost was high. And so you wanted to find ways to remove as many moving parts as you could. Yeah, I mean, like I said, as content creators, I know we, sometimes we lament the incremental upgrades year over year, but like you just explained, there is a lot of planning and engineering that goes into making a smartphone each and every year and making it better each and every year. Sure. And it's not as easy as we might make it seem, but we're on the outside. We don't know about all the engineering, all the R&D, the time, the research, all that good stuff that goes into making a smartphone. We have no idea. Sure, sure. Well, and, and you know, each, each OEM, uh, I don't want to speak for them, but just to give you guys and the viewers some ideas and the listeners some idea of what's going on. Each OEM has a certain um, desired brand presence, right? Um, Apple has how they want to appear to customers. Samsung has how they want to appear to customers. LG, the same. Uh, and maybe something happens that taints their reputation, or maybe they have uh, something they're very excited about that turns out to not be super exciting to customers, and you have to recover from that. And when you make an investment on something like a curved screen, uh, Samsung did it, right? a few years back, uh, if they see a return on that investment uh, and that it's it's seen as innovation, you want to continue it for a while. And so once you get one phone with a curved screen and then you get a phone with a curved screen on both sides and then how much further can you curve the screen, uh, the customer, especially us, right, techie, techie folks and the folks listening to your, to your podcast are going, yeah, we saw that last year, but remember, we're we're such a small segment of the population. Most folks haven't seen it, right? And right. so by the time by the time the the third Samsung with the curved screen shows up, my wife looks across the table and she goes, "Ooh, that's a really beautiful phone." I was like, "It's just like the last one," but she's never noticed, right? And so right. real real everyday customers aren't as don't have their finger on the bleeding edge like the rest of us do. And so they customers see the evolution or the revolution when they're ready to buy a new phone. You make a good point because I've talked about this recently here on YouTube and being a tech creator on YouTube. The people that watch my videos, I understand are practically in the uh, minority as far as people who actually go out and buy these phones year over year. The tech nerd is a very mm -hmm. small minority of the overall consumer of tech products. There's a lot sure. of normal people that aren't un, that that are not that into tech that are looking to buy tech and things like that. They don't know all the specs. They don't care how what if a screen is LCD or OLED. They don't care about that stuff. They just want the best device that works for them. But I think sometimes, me myself included, sometimes we get too focused on the actual tech nerds that watch our videos and not on the overall mm -hmm. consumer as a whole, and not realizing that the overall consumer doesn't need as much as the tech nerd needs. They just they just want it to work. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one of my favorite phones over the last couple of year was the Pixel 3a XL. Here was a phone mm. that had a had a subpar subpar processor, like right a slower processor, not as powerful processor. But the screen was great. Uh, in my opinion, screen was great. The construction of that phone was it was kind of old school, almost HTC. Like I feel like when when Google brought over all the HTC engineers, that's the that's the phone they were working on last maybe. Uh, <laughs> But that phone felt good in the hand. It had kind of some fun design elements. It was very simple. The user interface was uh, vanilla Android, what I liked the best. And the, the thing that was really important on that phone was making that kind of low mid-tier smartphone uh, perform like its higher-end uh, brother in terms of camera performance, right? Right, because, right. Because pixel cameras are kind of like the best in the world. Uh, in a lot of people's opinion. So Google has a, a set a high bar for their camera performance. And when someone comes into the store looking at that phone, they, oh, Pixel, oh, I've heard that they have good cameras. I, I think I want one of those. Oh, it's only $399 or whatever it was, right? But yep. there was a very reasonably priced phone uh, 
uh, that had kind of a lot of good things going for it that wasn't the super technical phone that uh, that you and I would talk about on a fairly regular daily basis. Right? I mean, I think everything I picked up around me here, uh, Galaxy S20 Ultra, uh, OnePlus 8 5G, um, uh, 11 uh, Pro Max, even a regular 8. Uh, the only thing I have is way over here. I've got the new A71 from Samsung, right? Here's a here's a $600 5G phone. Mm -hmm. um, and then I've got an A21, which uh, T-Mobile's recently announced. I can't even remember what this guy is, but he's even cheaper. And that Moto that I showed off, this guy, the uh, Moto G Stylus, these are really reasonably priced phones. And for someone who's looking for um, just a cool looking smartphone, right? It's a nice color blue. It's got a pretty camera detail on the back. Um, that may be all they really need. It's funny that you talk about uh, the Pixel 3a and phones like that that are of the lower price tier. Because I remember when Apple originally uh, went to the three iPhone model and they came out with the iPhone 10R. Obviously, looking back on it now, that was the best selling iPhone of the year because mm -hmm. it had almost all of the flagship features of the other phones, but it started at 700 bucks. And then the iPhone 11 came out last year, $50 cheaper. And it was the best-selling iPhone, again, because most of the flagship features, uh, but not the flagship pricing. So I think there is beginning to uh, be a shift in the way that consumers look at and buy smartphones. They are beginning to realize that you don't have to pay top tier for these flagship prices and flagship phones anymore because you can get a pretty solid phone in the four or $500 price range, man. And I think there's a lot of competition down there in the mid-range game, especially this year, especially given what's happening in the world right now. Dad. I mean, the mid-range game is Absolutely. hot this year. It's hot. Yeah. Well, and it's it, it, people are people are wondering about whether they're going to have a job. They're wondering about uh, if their spouse or their loved one is going to have a job. What do they need to do to help take care of their family? And not always, not everybody is in the market uh, for that $1,500 smartphone. And so what are the what is the what are what kind of trade-offs or what kind of choices can they make to stay connected uh, everybody's using smartphones to take pictures right so cameras got to be good uh and what can they do or what can they find in a price range that's comfortable for them and i i thought a couple of years back when i started to see pixels coming uh, the the three a's coming in and some other phones like that like one plus is a great example where you don't you don't necessarily sacrifice performance or quality. Um, you might make a few trade-offs here and there, but ultimately you're getting a um, what you feel is a high-end device at a reasonable price. Uh, and high-end is uh, in the eye of the beholder, right? So maybe for you, Viper, you're all about watching YouTube videos, right? And so the most important thing to you might just be a big, bright, beautiful screen, something you know in the, in the six and a half, seven inch size, right? Yep. And you just want to watch YouTube videos and you're never going to take a picture with that phone. So your, your buying choices will be different than someone else. And so sometimes it's a pretty phone. We've seen so many of these, um, these finishes, right? These, oh, yeah. the, these, uh, you know, my note 10 have the same thing. Uh, and sometimes it's a pretty phone. People just want something pretty, but it's, it, they're a little bit like cars. Now there's, there's definitely something for everyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I would like to see more of the tech press, especially kind of that higher end tech press, take a look at um, more of this mid-tier range and talk about it to the customer uh, more plainly. And that's what I hope to do in the stuff that we're doing with T-Mobile is, you know, let's let's talk about an A71. Let's talk about um, Samsung. Their, um, if you ever saw their original A-series uh, video, they have awesome screen, awesome camera, long-lasting battery life is this little song that plays on repeat. But if you're a customer and you hear that little jingle and you see a fun kind of user-generated content-looking video that's a bunch of TikToks and, and Snapchat-type things, right? And you see that and you kind of start bouncing your head and you get the little earworm going on and you'll, you'll remember that. And when you go in the store, you're like, oh, I want that that phone that had the awesome screen and the awesome camera and you're going to get a little retention and you're going to be pleasantly surprised. I think that one was, it's a little less than the 5g version. So it's probably in like a $400 price range. But if you saw that advertisement and you walked into a store and you knew you could get it for about 400 bucks, you'd be like, that's great. Yeah. Uh, advertising definitely plays a big part in the way these phones are presented to the consumer. Speaking of advertisement, death, 
Why doesn't Good LG segue. advertise? Yes. Why doesn't LG advertise <laughs> this? I, I don't. I don't have an answer for that. I can tell you that they always like to help uh, us in the making of our unboxing videos. We've done uh, a couple really fun ones with them. We did the. Um, when they did the LG G5, they wanted to go fast. And so we were on the rally cars going through the woods. Um, uh, G7 was Streets of San Francisco, electric skateboards. I, I did a header on that one. If you ever go watch that YouTube video uh, and you stay till the very end, kind of post credits, you'll actually see me ragdoll into the weeds uh, at Twin Peaks. Ooh. Well, you know, I was, I was, Going a little too fast, pushing a little too hard, uh, but they they're 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 big fans. I think I think they're still trying to figure it out. LG, uh, especially with uh, like I've seen reviews of this new LG Velvet, mm -hmm. right? And when I saw that phone, I was like, that looks different. That looks pretty. Um, I think you'll probably see more advertising from them, and especially right now, the the hard part is with the world uh, changing so rapidly right now. I think uh, I think everybody's trying to do the right thing, and so maybe they're pulling back on advertising a little bit and letting the real conversation that needs to happen right now happen. Uh, maybe you'll see something in the future from them, as well as the other guys. Oh hell no, Des! You're not gonna give that PTS about them pulling back on advertising. Oh no, no, no! They don't pull back for the past five or six years, Des. What are you talking about? This, Come on, man! This, this is true, but they they've kept making pretty good devices. They just. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I can't honestly answer why they don't advertise more like a Samsung or somebody else, but they, um, they haven't, right? No, and it'd be fuddling because they're one of the largest cell phone makers in the entire world, but they just, they just, they're like ninjas, man. They just stay quiet. They don't, they don't advertise. They, they don't, at least not in the U.S. anyway. They don't advertise in the U.S. They, they must be hitting their sales targets without actually advertising. So imagine, <laughs> what, imagine. Imagine what would happen if they advertised, right? <laughs> it might be something because they are silent, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I and you know what? You know what? It's funny. I, before you, I got to interrupt you just for a second. You know, one of the things that originally really got me into phones was the LG chocolate. Do you remember ooh, the LG chocolate? I remember that. And I that, remember that one. And that commercial was everywhere. You saw phones spinning and going in and out of molten chocolate, and it was so <laughs> hot and. There was a good song and everything. And actually, if you look at um, my Note 10 unboxing, um, you'll see little hints of that kind of inspiration. We use one of those uh, probe lenses, the super long. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like a it's like a macro wide angle shot. I had I uh, we had uh, played with one before, and so we zoomed in down over the phone and everything when we were doing oh, that cool. unboxing. And it was like, don't put me in the video at all. Make this, this phone sexy as hell. Get get the ugly bald guy out of the video and just let me talk. <laughs> and so you know, I did I did a very nice uh, the new Note 10, blah, 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 blah. and I don't know if anybody bought it, but the, the visuals of that video look amazing. So it was yeah. Fun. I, re I, uh, I remember when Marquez broke out that probe lens about a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, right. Probe lens. Everybody everybody kind of found it at the same time, I think, and everybody just started doing crazy stuff. I saw a Peter McKinnon video the other day where he was doing stuff with it, going through decks of cards and all this kind of stuff. It is just, it's the coolest effect. Um, and if you ever look, there's some cool shots where they're, where they're trying to sell you the probe lens and they uh, like cut off the bottom of like a Jack Daniels bottle or something. I'm not a drinker, but uh, they, they send the probe lens through the Jack Daniels bottle as it's pouring out into a glass with ice. And it's, it, it just the shots are amazing, and so there there's a little techie geek nerd out moment on camera stuff. <laughs> that that is pretty cool. So, Des, you were you were bro, you're breaking out all your Android phones. You had a single iPhone out of your twenty thousand Android phones. So I'm gonna go out on a wide limb oh. and say that you are Team Android. You are you are. I mean, I'm not gonna say that you don't like Apple, but you are. Definitely, I have two. I have two. I <laughs> have. <laughs> Two out of 20. Oh, my God. <laughs> but like I said, I'm going to go out on a wide limb and just say that you're more of an Android guy than an iPhone guy. I uh, I think of myself as one of the, the folks who might have had a small hand in the creation of Android. Uh, and I've built lots of Android phones myself. So definitely I'm more team Android. Uh, I film more often uh, on my iPhone 11 Pro mm -hmm. uh, just because the video is stunning. Uh, and I'm shooting in 4k 60 all the time, even here at home when we're doing little stuff. Uh, I try to shoot most of the time. I try to shoot, um, 
on the device whenever possible. So if uh, a 71 camera's pretty good, video's okay. Uh, but I can, I can get in there and just make things look like butter. Um, but lately I've been, uh, talk about team Android. I've been really into macro photography Ooh. from these phones. And so the macro lens is like on the one plus eight, mm -hmm. uh, that, that macro camera is amazing. I love getting in there really tight and showing details. Yeah, I don't have too much experience with macro lenses, but one of the TCL phones, I think actually both of them have macro lenses, so I leave it a little bit. And yeah, macro shots are kind of crazy. Renee, thank you for the super chat, sir. I appreciate you. Yes, it is WWDC week. I was just about to ask Dez about, uh, did you get a chance to watch WWDC? Uh, I watched Keynote. Yep. And that was, you know, that was probably the best uh, COVID-19 presentation, COVID-19 world presentation I've seen. They were flying all over the campus. Uh, you know, they were, they were having a little fun with social distancing jokes. Uh, it was cool though. It was, it was well done production. It's, you know, it's hard. It's hard, um, in this day and age to, to make it look good like that. Right. When, when your production teams can't be around and it's, it's definitely difficult, but I watched it. Um, I was excited. Um, I'm a Mac user. So seeing new Mac technology coming. Mm -hmm. uh in the next few months is pretty cool um final cut uh running you know i was a final cut guy that's i was self-taught on final cut so i always has a spot near and dear to my heart uh i've been bouncing back and forth like i mentioned between premiere rush not premiere pro just rush because it's mobile uh and final cut so you know always back and forth but they're they, they make uh, apple makes beautiful products um they're just super expensive and they price themselves. They price themselves out of the market. It's funny, you know. I say that, and then we've got this guy, right? So this mm -hmm. this is probably one of the smartest Apple moves in years. Um, I think they saw that opportunity, uh, and they saw other phones trending down into that space. Um, it's one of the best cameras you can get for what four hundred bucks. So you know they oh, make yeah. they make great stuff. Yes, they do. So you were just alluding to the, uh, the the Mac stuff that happened at WWDC. So we know that Apple is transitioning over to using their own A3 chips in the next two years. Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts about Apple moving away from Intel and into making their own silicone? Uh, I think it's, I mean, I think that's been a long time coming. And that's, uh, they like to have, you know, the, the other side of the coin with Apple is they like to have total control. Mm. Uh, and they're going to have total control. <laughs> So it's a, it's an interesting development, but not not a surprise. Like you said, I think it's been a long time in the making, and they said within the next two years they're going to be complete. The transition is going to get uh, be complete. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what they do once they are able to control their the whole process of making their computers top to bottom. Yep, for sure. So foldable phones, Dad. I know you you are obviously obviously you're a big mobile phone lover. Love. Here we up. That's what I want to know. Was, what are your thoughts on say, it's, it's like, is it right there? It's like right over my shoulder. Oh, here, there. My fold is sitting on that shelf back there. I can't ah. point to it, but it's over mm -hmm. there. Yeah, I love foldable. So, for me, uh, and again, I'm old, so <laughs> I've been around for a while. Uh, phones used to switch and fling and have crazy rotating cameras, and when I started, phones didn't even have cameras. Um, but I remember hardware being one of these key places to innovate. So when we were building phones, how did a slider work? How did a hinge work? Um, how big of a screen could we cram on that top piece? I think that's an interesting thing. Everything's turned into to this, right? It's a nondescript, sorry, it's a nondescript rectangle. It's about this thick, right? And right. so what what can be done again we got to sell new phones right as far as the oems are concerned they've got to innovate they've got to come up with a way to sell new phones um hardware is kind of the kind of it's almost like everything old is new again you're seeing folds uh foldable phones you're seeing uh my favorite i was saying was the fold the samsung fold because it's a tablet that folds in half and goes in your pocket right at least that's how i look at that particular phone mm -hmm. Um, do I need a tablet all the time? No, but I can think of lots of cases where I might want a bigger screen as a as a productivity type person or um, editing, right? We talked about mobile editing. So editing on a Fold would be a heck of a lot easier than editing on an A71. Um, A71 is still a pretty big screen, but it's like imagine editing on a Fold. So I think people are starting to kind of figure out what they want to use these phones for. 
and then everybody's always going to cater to coming up with some type of product that's exciting for that for that particular target segment to uh, to use. Yeah, I I don't know if I still get the practicality of foldable devices yet, but I am very very interested in the upcoming Galaxy Fold Two. Obviously, the, with the Fold One, they had a bunch of trouble with it as far as getting it out and uh, durability and things like that. But they it seems like they were able to sure some of that up. But the biggest thing, uh, one of the biggest issues with the original Fold was that front display was so small you really couldn't use it. But given uh, the rumors that the front display will be bigger this time. I am very intrigued at what Samsung will be able to do with the upcoming Fold 2, man. I'm, I'm actually excited about that. I'm an Apple dude, but I'm excited about that Fold 2. Yeah. So I, I guess my question is what, what, so I don't, I didn't think that the front screen was too small. So maybe not the right word. It was narrow. It was skinny. Right. And that was, that was the bigger challenge. It had a lot of bezel. And I mm-hmm. think coming from where, from my history, you just get, you kind of get used to that stuff. Um, and, you know, I think Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile is still using the fold every day as a daily driver. So clearly he got over it, but we're, we're techie guys, right? Every day, everyday Joes, they, they, um, uh, and especially younger folks. I look at my kids, I've got a 16 year old and a nine year old. Uh, my 16 year old wants the biggest screen he can get. Cause he's, you know, <laughs> blasting with thumbs both for games and lots of texts um my nine-year-old is the opposite she almost never never texts a message she almost always so she's an iphone user facetime Mm -hmm. she's using a little inexpensive iphone like i just showed you uh and she's using an iphone also i think because mommy uses an iphone too right so Ah. it's just you know they facetime and that's how she calls i don't she actually said the other day to me she goes Papa, I had to call mama using my voice. <laughs> and I was like, like a regular phone call? Like, sure. That's that's the way they work. So it, it's it's clear it's different for a different generation. Definitely. So how is it, Des, that your wife has an iPhone, your daughter has an iPhone, but you can get away with not using an iPhone full time? How does that work? How do they allow you to do that? <laughs> Google Duo. Google Duo. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, don't even. Google Duo. Get out of here with that stuff. I'm, Come I'm, on, man. I'm, I'm, I'm tech support, and I set up everybody's phones. So everybody <laughs> everybody picks the phone that they want. Actually, no, my wife, is. Uh, she owns a dance studio, and she's a dance teacher and choreographer. Uh, and all of her music's in iTunes. So iPhone was the solution for her. So it's the, it's the easiest, easiest way to, to make that happen. And then my daughter had a had a pixel three a for a while. Uh, and, and, um, unfortunately it got broken, not due to her fault. And so when we went for a replacement, um, we went with mommy's older phone. (laughs) She got a hand me down. She got a kind of a a hand me down. So that's just, and she was fine with it. She didn't carry it all. She watches YouTube kids, uh, and FaceTimes with her friends or duos with me. So it's, it all works out. Gotcha. So we spent a lot of time on this particular podcast talking about the average consumer. We know that 5G is pretty much here now. It's not fully fleshed out yet, but it's practically here. Talk to us about how 5G will impact the everyday consumer, Dej, because obviously you're on the forefront being a T-Mobile employee and working in engineering, things like that. So tell tell us your thoughts about 5G and what it will do for the everyday person. I think, you know, I, I think, I think it's, uh, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. I think it's, it's, there are so many opportunities. This is one of these chicken and the egg things where there has to be a network before people can realize low latency, um, lots of speed, lots of cool network technology to help things communicate with other things. I mean, we've, we've seen all these um, demonstrations and things like that of how 5G is going to work. T-Mobile, uh, my employer, and this is, these are my opinions, not theirs. So there's a the disclaimer. But I think T-Mobile has been has been leading or leading on the edge, pushing uh, towards the forefront of building the network so that we can enable the next whatever it is, Instagram or you know I don't know WhatsApp or whatever. I mean, it's going to come in the form of of a need or a desire, if you will. Uh, someone's going to have a phone or a de- some kind of connected device, and they're going to say, "Boy, I really wish." I could do this and they'll be able to look to someone like a T-Mobile network and say, Oh, they have low latency, 
high speeds, um, great coverage. I mean, uh, you'll see, you know, you're starting to hear about our speed in New York now that Sprint and T-Mobile are coming together, going up. Uh, coverage has been the conversation because 5G has enabled us to have even better coverage than before. Uh, mm-hmm. And speed, speed comes over time. Uh, but low latency and things like that, and then they're going to say, "Okay, now I can I can enable the network's going to help enable the app or the uh, the thing that I want to do, which will then turn into an app that someone smarter than me builds uh, and enables that feature, and we're going to download it on a phone, and it's going to be a cool new thing." I remember um, camera phones came along, right? Yep, and I didn't. I mean, I had, you either had an attachment that plugged into your phone to, to make it a camera. Eventually they had cameras on them. I was importing those Nokias, remember in the beginning of the conversation. Uh, and so I was taking good pictures or <laughs> reasonably good pictures on my phones back in the day. But what did you do with them, right? You didn't, you didn't send them to anybody. You didn't post them anywhere. And it's funny on the wall next to me, kind of right. Let's see if I can hit it right there is a little grid of photos. And it doesn't probably look like much of anything, but that was from a, a, a website called Text America. And you would, it was like a uh, forerunner to Instagram. You would post your photo. I don't even remember if you could do a caption or not. You might've been able to do some text on the website later, but you published your photos. People, I think they voted on them something. There was a way that you could get in this top 10 kind of thing or this leaderboard of good photos. Uh, and that was that was enabled by camera phones having cameras and a network being able to support it through MMS, right? And so all of a sudden it became this thing where you wanted to share what you were seeing, what you were doing, or a, maybe a product you were trying to sell, things like that. Maybe it was you would write a note and take a picture and post it that way. So that had to happen before everything else had to, before the rest had to happen. And so with T-Mobile and the network happening, we're hoping to, at least I think we're hoping to enable kind of that next generation of communication and experiences. I mean, it's, we're doing it right now, right? I mean, I'm here on a Mac, but I, I asked you before we started, I said, so what do I need? And you're like, you need something with a webcam and you got to click on a link, right? Yep. I probably, my guess is I, I could probably do this with you in a Chrome browser on a phone would be yeah. my guess over, over yeah. a network with the right bandwidth. And that's, that's fantastic, and maybe we save that one for the next time we do this together. Because I'm, I'm all about being out in the world, right, and sharing that experience live. I mean, I go live. I used to do it a lot. I don't do it as much right now, just because there's so much other stuff going on in life. But I used, I used to go live, walk on the dog. Uh, John Ledger, our former CEO, started Periscope with his run scopes, right? And it was just he's out running and he's thinking about talking with other people and wondering what people were doing. And you have that moment, and it goes from there. So it's. It's really interesting. Once the technology is out there, people will come up with a way to uh, to use it and do some really cool things with it. No doubt, man. Um, 5G is going to usher in a whole different wave of technology and the way that we use technology will fundamentally change. And like you said, it'll be very exciting. Absolutely. Can't wait for it, man. Can't wait for it. So talk about the difference between John Ledger and Mike Fever now. I think he's the new T-Mobile CEO, right? Sure, sure. Uh, well, I... I, I've known both guys for a little while, not super close, but just there are big bosses. Um, John's very flamboyant, super awesome, charismatic leader. And Mike is charismatic, but in a different way, very focused, very structured, um, uh, seems to be very thoughtful about what he does. And I'm excited for the future with Mike. He's a, he's a fantastic leader. Um, I'm not as much of a cardigan guy as Mike is, but, but that's okay. I've, I've seen Mike wearing some pretty cool t-shirts lately, so I'm, I'm excited for that too. But no, they're, they've both been a fantastic leaders for our company. And we have some great leaders coming in um, from the merger with Sprint too. I mean, they're, some of the folks, if you think about it, Sprint and T-Mobile have been kind of this scrappy kind of smaller companies. And now as we're, as we're together, uh, it's even more exciting because you know, you've got some great leadership with some creative ideas. Uh, and that go get them kind of spirit. Uh, and I've, I've never been a big fan of the uh, big red and uh, what is it? We dumb and dumber, right? I mean, big red and big blue, the death star and big red. I just, I haven't. So it's uh, I like that scrappy kind of, we're going to, and I think we, I hope we don't ever lose that because that's, what's been fun in my career is working for that company that, that does things differently uh, mm-hmm. and really, really thinks about customer first. Yeah. John Ledger is a, 
trailblazer, man. He changed the entire wireless industry for the better. That dude will be missed. But here's hoping that Mike can follow in his footsteps and carve his own path and do things in a similar fashion. That'll be that'll be pretty cool to see. For sure. Definitely. All right. So we got a few minutes left. So I'm gonna open it up for question from my man Dez. And I think we already got one from my man Genosis here. So Genosis says, when you have time, Mike, could we ask what are the challenges of implementing ah. RCS messaging? Uh, well, it's uh, it's painful. So I'll put on my engineering hat for a couple minutes, and I'll I'll do my best to explain this. So um, uh, with GSM uh, and all the different governing bodies that have worked with GSM over the years, um, there's a there's a standard, right? And first you write a draft of the standard, and then it has to go get passed around by everybody who's part of the governing body, and they make changes to it, and they make uh, and the company might go in and do an implementation. Uh, and then somebody else might come along and think they have a better way to do it. And, and the standards usually are guidelines. They're not usually hard and fast rules. Uh, being an, uh, I was an SS7 engineer, which is a packet switch data network. This call setup called teardown, things like that. SS7 was ones and zeros. And there were very hard and fast rules. All this stuff must happen. Um, with RCS, I think it went through several <laughs> renditions, if you will. Uh, and T-Mobile did a good job of doing that first level. In fact, you saw, I think I have a really old video of a Samsung where you saw someone online, you saw someone typing very much like iMessage. Um, but the hard part was getting people to do the code changes to see the value in it. Um, because other people, if T-Mobile was doing it, maybe nobody else was doing it. And then Google came along and they did their version of it. And Neville's team uh, has worked long and hard. And I know it's, again, for the, for the tech media, and for the tech enthusiast, changes can't come fast enough. And they are not big enough. They're never big enough, right? And right. so with RCS, it was just they kept working at it. They kept working hard at it. They kept negotiating if you're going to go through a gateway or if you're going to hand off directly or, you know, how, how would all that work? Who, who's going to troubleshoot any problems that might happen? Because, you know, the biggest challenge, especially with, like, inter-carrier RCS, uh, is as soon as it goes out of the T-Mobile network, we don't have any control. We don't. We can't tell you what's wrong. We can't see how many little transit networks it might go through to get to the destination. And that's hard to, to say to a customer, we're going to give you great customer support, but your messages went off to a black hole. And so RCS took a long time. Uh, and I think I think we're, we're getting pretty, we're, lots of phones have it now. T-Mobile's working with Google, which is fantastic. Um, and you're starting to see cross-carrier. But it, MMS was the same way. I lived through it through MMS. And it was, you could send pictures in in network. And eventually it would got to across network. And then it, it just becomes ubiquitous. And no one knows the difference. So it, it just takes time. Yeah, I think that's uh, the case with most technology. It's always, especially when you have like big companies involved, it's always difficult to get things working across across uh, networks and cr across companies and things like that because everybody's doing their own thing. So like that said, it's a little difficult to make sure to ensure that customer experience when you got stuff happening with T-Mobile and you got stuff happening with Verizon, AT&T and things like that. So it, it can get crazy. We got another question or a question from Nadine. She says, is there any chance for a Samsung Galaxy Fold, Galaxy D Flip, Motor Razor 2020 or any folding phone variant coming to T-Mobile? I cannot comment on rumor or speculation. If I knew, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I'm going to say I don't know. So that way uh, I can't tell you. But I think I think that uh, I'll put it this way. T-Mobile's always brought uh, cool and interesting phones uh, when they were reliable. Uh, and when we could count on the experience for our customers to be great, we've always had those devices. So when we can, uh, when we can confirm things are reliable and the experience will be great for our customers, you'll see cool things. Could be tomorrow. Could be two years from now. This we'll man just literally more. gave us the I can neither confirm nor deny. He gave us the fifth Nothing. amendment. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. Oh man. Nothing. But but I tell you what, just follow along. You'll be the first. You'll be the first to know. I'll tweet it the minute I'm allowed. There so. you go. <laughs> Renee. You never know. <laughs> Renee. Renee. They were better five years star before Sprout. Ah, I did well, that more for me than them, but hey. I, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I don't know. I think the Starbucks s'mores frappuccino is pretty fantastic. There's a yes. lot of sugar, and I'm keto, so I can't have any of that. Oh, I, can, no. I can have, oh. I can have a cold brew with some, oh. uh, with some, uh, with oh. a splash of uh, heavy cream, but I'll just imagine that it's a s'mores oh, frappuccino. You got a 
You gotta break. You gotta. You gotta break the. Death. You gotta break the keto, man. That's more frappe. I know. You gotta have one. You gotta have one. Oh, <laughs> so good. So good. And we just had a T-Mobile's T-Mobile Tuesdays where they gave us like fifty stars at Starbucks. Ooh. So, mm. so hopefully you guys. That was yesterday. Hopefully you guys jumped on that. Man, that was up, man. That was up. I, I want to know when I get to ask you questions. Oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Oh well. So here's what I want to know. Um, you know, we talked about this. What do you? If you could only shoot with one phone, mm-hmm. uh, what what phone would it be? You mean like shoot video, right? Yeah, shoot video. If you had to pick one, right? Oh. Like we have... oh, it would definitely be an iPhone. Absolutely, iPhones have the best video quality out of any phone. So yeah, definitely an iPhone. Okay, cool. Actually, I... actually, uh, when I shoot B roll on my normal videos, and probably shot, I use actually I shoot all my B roll with an iPhone usually. Nice, nice. I think that's. That for me, it's always seeing uh, like I'll shoot with an ultra. I'll shoot with the the one plus eight is fantastic. Um, the photos on that phone are fantastic, or an iPhone. I think I could take any one of the three. Uh, I'm trying to get to a place where I can just, like I said, I can edit and shoot and share all from one device. And mm-hmm. I don't have, I don't quite have that yet. Editing on a phone is tough, Ooh, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It's it's tough. Uh, tablet. Tablet, the tablets are getting big enough now where you can do it, but I would, I would love to, I would love to not have big cameras, uh, if at all possible. So yeah, portability is definitely the way if you can, if you can, our chance. I, I I think it's more authentic too, though. It's, uh, I think that's one thing. Uh, and here you are live, right? We can have errors. We can have me hitting the mute button (laughs) on the keyboard somehow. And like, but that's real, uh, and I think that is mu- for me. It's much more appealing. The produced stuff has a tendency to be a little over the top, and it's a little too curated. Uh, I like this kind of stuff. I like reality, and that's why I want I want to be able to do it all from a device because I I live on the device. Um, I don't like I I don't anywhere in this room have a big camera that I shoot with. I literally shoot all content on. Uh, a mobile device. And so the camera's there. The editing still has to happen on the MacBook. That's for sure. Um, but it's it's one of those things where that is an everyday person, right? And mm-hmm. with the with the with the world being TikToks and and snaps and tweets and and Instagram posts, I mean it's it's getting there pretty fast. And people are especially now, you're at home. You can't go to a studio and shoot that kind of stuff. Yeah, the and world. Then, yeah, I was gonna say the world of mobile. I mean, right now we're at home because of the pandemic, but the world of mobile, when when we get past the pandemic, we're gonna go right back to being mobile and being all over the place. And like you said, um, especially when 5G begins to be more fleshed out, I mean, the things and the range that we'll be able to have with our technology is gonna be through the roof, especially yeah. being on the go like we are constantly. So it's gonna be amazing. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's one of those things where I hope that this experience we have shows us how to be more um, creative with our solutions because people are having Zoom, like you watch Saturday Night Live where they have the, the Zoom Saturday Night Lives or um, Josh Gad is doing Together Alone where he does all the throwbacks. If you ever watch that, he did like Lord of the Rings and he did um, that thing you do. He's done some cool stuff and it's all Zoom meetings, right? And mm-hmm. now he's got these people that, that, that maybe never could have committed to having a sit down interview, like a press junket. I got, I got to go on a press junket uh, for a T-Mobile Tuesdays thing for Alita Battle Angel in New Zealand of all places. And I had to fly like crazy, crazy amounts of time to go down there and shoot from my mobile phone. And there was a camera crew following us all around and all these people were, were saying, uh, oh, could you bring the camera over here and interview me with this backdrop of New Zealand behind me? And I would just throw it up like this and smile and talk and do my thing and go back and edit it in my hotel room. And my video was done before I left New Zealand. Right. It's, uh, but the, the interesting thing with all that was, uh, you know, you, you could experience it in real time and have that excitement and, and deliver it. I guess what I'm trying to say is it's again, it's just mobile. So authentic and so real and so happening right now that sometimes the production stuff, can delay it and make it a little bit too smooth over the top. And now that people don't have that ability, they're they're trying to find ways. Our our own T-Mobile Studio is working with our senior leadership, and they're 
sending mobile phone kits out to the leadership to help them mm. record stuff that they need to record. Like we need to deliver training. We need to deliver uh, updates to our teams and stuff. And that's all happening over mobile. And I'm tickled to death because I've been doing it for years. And now, <laughs> now, now everybody's doing it with a mobile phone. So it's, yeah, it's like, like I, about time y'all joined the party. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very excited that more people are going mobile. And I think, I think that this has uh, kind of coaxed them into doing, being a little bit more creative, which is fun. Definitely. I think I have an idea how you're going to answer it, but I'll ask it anyway. You know, wants to know, has there been any slowdown with 5G rollout because of the bat bat or the pandemic? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not uh, up to date on network stuff. Uh, that's probably a, a great question for Neville on Twitter. He uh, answers every tweet. I, I think we're, I think we're doing the best we can. I, I honestly don't know. So I really I thought it was going to be okay. another Fifth Amendment answer. <laughs> No, I, I honestly, I'm not, I'm not as close anymore to network stuff uh, as I was back in my engineering days, which was many, many years ago. But uh, the best thing to do is just ask Neville on Twitter. Okay. No doubt. I have, I have one last question for you before you sign off. So okay. what are, what tech, whether it's network, phone, headphones, what's the thing you're most excited about? We've talked about folding phones and things like that. What are you really excited about in the future? You must didn't see my video last night because I was pretty excited that, that iPhone got picture in picture. I am over the moon about this. I saw you tweet about that. Really? Yeah, yes! that's a thing. Really? Now, okay. Now, now, obviously, but I've been why? using it because I've been using it for so long on Android, but I, I'm an iPhone guy, so it frustrated me to no end that it was not on iPhone until yesterday or the, the day before yesterday, whenever it was. So. Yeah. I am over the moon that we finally got picture in picture on iPhone. But I guess for a serious answer, um, as far as uh, tech that I'm excited for, I'm excited about the possibilities of augmented reality, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that can completely change the way we live our lives. Um, I, can, I know Apple is rumored to be working on AR glasses. I'm pretty sure they're not the only one. But just imagine being able to put on a pair of glasses, walk around a downtown urban area, look at a store, and get all the information that you need about that store in your glasses, store hours, um, pricing, brands that they carry, just whatever information that you want, it could be at eye level because of augmented yeah. reality. Or like, yeah. I, like I talked with other people about, maybe you're at a sporting event, like maybe you're at a basketball game and LeBron James is at the free throw line. If you look at him through your glasses, you can see free throw percentage in real time. Like Stuff like that is just <laughs> uber exciting to me, man. You, you, you must be too young to remember Shaq. Because when Shaq steps up to the free throw line, you knew it was 25%. Oh, I am <laughs> not. That guy. Foul I, that I, guy. I get the feeling me and you are not that far apart in age. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know Shaq oh, was brick. He was laying he was all sorts of bricks. I know. Oh, he yes. Terrible. LeBron's not doing that much hot himself. He's laying brick, too, out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's, it's funny. It, I've lived through... I lived through 3D on tablets. I've lived through 3D on phones. I've lived through, actually, like right here, I have my little Samsung 360 camera. Oh my God, I've, wow. I've got, yeah, I've got a, I got a GoPro Fusion behind me. I thought, I thought the cool thing about 360 and, you know, virtual reality, augmented reality was you could immerse yourself, the experience would be better. And you didn't need anything extra to do it. I always felt like putting glasses on to watch TV was a weird thing, <laughs> right? Uh, mm -hmm. And augmented reality, um, I don't know about glasses. Again, I'm, I'm a little lukewarm on glasses because, again, it's you have to put something on to have the experience. But if right. you could just hold it and if it could, ju if it could just happen, your phone or whatever it was, right? Um, I think there, there's definitely something there because we already live our, our lives like this, right? Yeah. And so at least if you were looking through it and it improved what you were looking at, it'd be fantastic. Uh, so I, I love AR and VR too. I hope that we don't get super hooked on, on having to have some accessory to make that happen. I think that's always the hard part. I think the, the thing that I remember as a product manager was uh, when I was building products was do not change the customer's behavior. Find a way to enhance the behavior, enhance the experience, right? And so that was that was the challenge. If we put something between us and the experience, we were we were doing it wrong. So that is some sound advice. There you go. I mean, if you listen to our man Renee Richie in the chat, we're gonna have some cybernetics implanted into our brains not before long. So I mean, I don't know. <laughs> not not me. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> You're like no, just like not here. <laughs> no, nope, not signing up for it. Mm -mm, I got you. I got you.
Dan, thank you for the conversation tonight. I appreciate you, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Before we get out of here, let the people know where they can find you. Uh, ask Des, like ask Des a question, D-E-S, uh, on just about everything. I think I'm Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook page. I don't go there enough. Uh, but uh, you, the YouTube channel is starting to get a little – I'm starting to drop a few more videos on YouTube. Uh, but definitely every day I'm on Twitter all day long answering questions uh, and always, always making stuff for T-Mobile. Uh, I'm there to help make that brand famous. Uh, I'm excited by everybody else that's a, a partner of ours and a participant of that. Uh, and we, we love and appreciate our customers and I'm glad I can just be there to help. No doubt, man. This guy is cool. You guys should definitely follow him on Twitter. The unboxing that he does like are just next level, man. I mean, Sometimes they're really good. Some, yeah, just, just a little bit. Sometimes just a little filmed bit. right here. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit, man. <laughs> Shout out to those y'all that are listening on audio only this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Vibe Drive with my man, Dan, this week. Appreciate you guys. If you want to support the podcast, there will be links in the show notes for you to do that. Again, nothing is required, but anything that you could do is greatly appreciated. Also, if you want to follow Dan, his link will be in the show notes as well. So definitely be on the lookout for my man, Dan. He's always you. You never know what this man might be doing. You you never know where he is or what he might be doing. He is he is that legit. Also, you happen to be listening to this podcast on Apple Podcast. Please consider leaving a rating or review as to help more people discover Vibe Drive. And that is what we want. We're trying to get this podcast back into the top two hundred in tech podcasts on Apple Podcast. So, a rating or review would definitely help me get back to being in the top two hundred. So, I appreciate you guys who listen to the podcast every week on Apple Podcast. Until the next time, people, this your boy Viper, the man about tech. You know where to find me. So come back for more. <laughs>